base crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. It doesn't matter how far you go or how fast. It just matters that you go and you do it. Put those sneaks on. We'll be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Blue Apron. Sponsoring the show, bringing it to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who loves taking down Nazis in video games. Uh, didn't know he had to do it in real life. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. There's so much I want to say at the top of the show, but we have a lot of video games to talk about. I will just reinforce what you always end the show with and uh, beg our audience to think about how they can make the world a better place. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those weeks where it's tough to talk about fun stuff. If you watch the news, it sounds like uh, that's every week now, unfortunately, but a particularly bad week for people who are fans of freedom but the good news is in the video game world there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to be excited about and we have awesome guests here this is going to be a really fun one you know that dlc is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable christian but this week we are excited because dlc stands for duo who light up the chaos because from volition we have two members of the team behind agents of mayhem Producer Kate Nelson and project design director Anoop Shaker are with us. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Yeah, this is awesome. We don't usually have two guests, but we are we are so excited to have both of you here. Um, before we get into the meat of the show, I'd love to find out a little bit about how you guys uh, got into the industry and, and what your role is on Agents of Mayhem. Both of you. Uh, according to your bios on the website, have been with Volition for quite a while. And both of you worked on one of my favorite games of last generation that I don't think it's enough credit, Red Faction Guerrilla. I love that game. So oh, underrated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you for awesome. saying that. Yeah. Underrated um, game. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I've been at Volition for 15 years on and off. I got started as an intern in high school. The second half of my high school senior year, I interned at Volition. Um, then I was on and off interning and then full time for 10 years um, after college. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I started in video game audio and then later went on to switch to production during my time at the studio um, during Red Faction Armageddon, actually. Yeah. So... What does a producer do? Like, what was your role on Agents of Mayhem? I fielded um, – so the team was divided into several different areas. Uh, the area that I was focused on was the gameplay programmers and gameplay systems designers, essentially the systems of the game. Um, so I worked with a lot of the designers, gameplay programmers, and guys that worry about, like, combat balance and jump height, all of those really fun things that make the game, like, really um, fun to play in the moment-to-moment. That's awesome. Um, we'll be talking a lot about Agents of Mayhem in the uh, 
in the playlist segment because we've been playing it. It comes out this week, though, so people should be excited about that. Anoop, you are a project design director. What What is that role? Yeah, so uh, so my job is essentially to uh, funnel all the design of the game into one cohesive experience. So we have a number of designers. I think we had about 30 designers at, at the high point uh, working on Agents of Mayhem. And they all had different things they were in charge of, whether it was doing designing missions, uh, designing agents, fi- figuring out the controls, uh, any number of things. Uh, and my job as a project design director was to oversee all of their work and ensure that it was sort of running in the right direction, was all meshing together, and was was creating a cool, fun experience uh, for the end user. And you've been with Volition since 1998? That's correct, yeah. Uh, it'll be uh, 19 years in November. Uh, which is quite a lot of time. <laughs> uh, I started on Free Space 2, uh, and I was the first QA lead at Volition working on Free Space 2. Uh, and then I became a producer, uh, and then a designer on Saints Row and through the Saints Row series, uh, and then and Red Faction Armageddon as well. And then I became the studio design manager and then uh, design director. Very, very cool. So uh, just to wrap up this this conversation before we get into Story of the Week, do you guys have any advice for people that want to get into video game to into producing? Um, it sounds like both of you worked up, worked your way up from within. I mean, from even from like internships, um, is that the best way to do it? Is just sort of get your foot in the door these days or are there other, other better strategies? Uh, so I'll, I'll start real quick from, from a design perspective. Uh, what I like, what I tell people now is I would not hire myself now <laughs> coming out uh, because it's just, it's too competitive. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I mean, it's fortunate because we, we find really good candidates, but it's, it's not a, it, it was hard to break in at that time. It's even harder now. And ultimately what it comes down to is there are a lot of good schools you can go to for universities or schools that are directly geared towards uh, game development and game design. Uh, so really a, a lot of our best candidates come out of those, those places, or they will have built their own games using, you know, uh, Unreal or Unity or things like that with small teams, um, and or they've done both, and and so really, you know, that that would be my recommendation is is really look for uh, opportunities in schooling and uh, self uh, self run projects. Very cool. How about you, Kate? Um, yeah, I think Anup, what, a lot of what he's saying is also true of production and uh, the management side of things. Um, even if you want to focus on production and management, having some area of um, game development that you yourself are able to contribute to, whether it's design or art or modeling or programming, having a little bit of background as far as how to what one of the pieces that goes into a game can be a huge advantage on the production and project management side. Um, doing an independent project, helping people work through that process, all of that's super valuable. And then um, I guess I would just add, in addition, reach out to people within the industry where possible, you know, get get feedback, um, find mentors, that type of thing. It can be very beneficial. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we're excited to have you here for the entire show. And let's start things off the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. We should say we're recording a little bit earlier than normal, so if there are some big stories that break Monday morning that we would usually cover, you won't hear us talk about them, uh, but uh, we're recording a little early because I'm traveling. Um, 
Story of the Week is uh, where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. We always take submitted stories on our subreddit, which you can find at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks there hanging out. Uh, especially um, want to shout out to Choke Slat Sauce, or Chocolate Sauce, I guess probably pronounced, um, who is doing very cool stuff with show notes. He's got a bunch of uh, show note threads uh, every week. Really cool stuff. So thanks for doing all of that extra work. You guys, uh, we usually let our guests pick the first story we talk about, their story of the week. I'm going to go with Kate and have you uh, select what your what you would consider to be your story of the week. Um, I've been a little bit distracted lately with our launch, um, sure. but I've definitely been enjoying Fortnite and their launch of Fortnite. Hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Fortnite launched uh, in in an interesting way, especially for a game we hear is going to be a free-to-play game. Um, it's launched in early access and is paid early access. Um, and it's as if, you know, you pay to get access, but you also get the benefits of what you would get if you purchased that kind of tier of content when the game is free-to-play. So you get a bunch of pinatas and loot and stuff. Um are you? What do you think about that as as somebody that works in the industry, as far as a um, a business model for games going forward, sort of paying in, into early access and then a game that's going to be free to play? I think uh, the thing that stands out to me about it um, that I've really liked is the fact that they're taking feedback how they are. Um, so they have like internal channels to provide feedback. They've been sending out surveys, and I guess there's opportunities to be involved in like other things as well, depending on if you um, are in it or not. Uh, I think really just seeing how all these models are coming together and what what creative ways that people are coming up with to, you know, try to monetize, try to try to bring more engagement in and, you know, try to find some sustainable models. It's all very fascinating. Um, so you're right. Like, I am very curious to see how this one how this one unfolds. Yeah. You know, another thing that's happening uh, this week is the big No Man's Sky 1.3 update, their big uh, year anniversary update. That hits uh, just hit yesterday, I think, or today, uh, and it um, it's an interesting version of that kind of path as well. Because of course they made a big splash a year ago. The game launched. Um, it, they had big promises, had big sales. A lot of people purchased the game, and there was mixed reaction. And the game has continued to evolve from there. And now this is almost. Um, I mean, the, the way the game plays with this big 1.3 update is a, a big difference from from the way the game launched. I mean, they're adding 30 hours of story quests. They're adding uh, a kind of a pseudo-multiplayer mode or a primitive version of a multiplayer mode where you can see the sort of a glimmer of a person and then get proximity-based audio chat with them and all kinds of other things. It's a really interesting update. I'm wondering what you guys think as uh, comparing these two things, the, you know, the sort of, Hey, we're in early access officially, soft launch compared to, hey, we're launching the game for real and then continuing to update it for free going after that. What, what do you think, Anoop? I mean, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating to me. I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in, in this because I, I really enjoy the concept of, uh, you know, an experience that doesn't end. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but like, it, it's really cool that like when I buy something, what I get at the beginning isn't necessarily what I'm going to have, you know, a year, two years, five years down the road. Uh, I think the, the real question is, can you communicate it in a fair way? And, you know, like for Fortnite, I, you know, they, 
what I've seen, they've been pretty clear that it's an early release um, in some areas. But, you know, if you go to the store, I think if you can just see it on the shelf and it, there's no indication that it's not uh, what they would call like a full release uh, on the box. I could be wrong. I, I'm not, I haven't seen it in the store myself. I've sort of read stories about that. Um, and I think that may be problematic uh, for people. Uh, with Hello Games, with the... What's no it called? Guy. No, Sorry, yeah, no Man's Guy. I I bought I bought it when it came out, and I, I actually enjoyed playing it quite a lot. And then I just kind of stopped all of a sudden. But I I don't regret the purchase. But I could absolutely see why people were frustrated with where the game was at. Uh, I think it was you know, but I think they could have done a better job of preparing the audience in advance, saying, "Hey, we have this game. We think it's worth buying, but we're going to continue to add to it and build off of it. It's not going to be a static game. It's not going to be done." And they could have been more clear about what the features were in the game and how they were going to be experienced at the beginning and kind of what their roadmap was to go forward from there. Yeah, yeah we use the term uh, games as a hobby a lot, like internally. I think like Anoop probably has a lot to say about that as well. But it's like when we're, we used to see a lot of games as one drop, this is what you get. And now there are companies that are expanding into that model of extending their content or you know keep growing the content, keep people engaged in playing. So it's interesting to think about the different ways to make that fair. <laughs> Do you guys think that there that you you have uh, one time to make an impression, uh, or do you think that gamers will come back to these games uh, over time? I, I think they will come back, but not at the levels that you know. When you your first shot is your first shot, and you have to be as successful as possible there. Um, after that, it's much harder to to get people back. I think there are very few games that. Have gone, have gone on to become more successful subsequent to their initial launch. I think Final Fantasy XIV and Diablo III are probably different examples of that, but but I wouldn't count on those kinds of things right. working on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, yeah, the green light stuff on Steam has been interesting to me because I bought Starbound really early on, and you know it was rough, but you know they had the initial dream there, and then recently I went back to it because um, they've had a lot of updates since that time. Yeah, yeah, I, I just started playing Warframe a little bit. And that's a game that's like, oh, I played this like two years ago. And it's, a, it's so much – returning to it, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much more stuff here. It's, um, it's like a whole new game, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian, what's your feeling on this? Did you Have you been keeping an eye on uh, the Fortnite and No Man's Sky launches? What's your, uh, what's your take? Yeah, we're in um, – it's not uncharted territory because <laughs> you just listed two examples and several other that are doing it. But it is – it is interesting. And I think it's interesting from a monetary, you know, how does a, a studio or developer or publisher monetize these style of games and, and what's the best route forward if there is one, but also for, you know, press or media type stuff coverage of these games. So like, you know, as we are over halfway through the year and we're thinking about what our favorites of the year are, I've spent a lot of time playing PUBG. But is, is PUBG a contender for game of the year when it's early access? Before we had been, you know, shied away from that. But now we're seeing very full realized games coming out as early access. You know, at what point does that conversation change also where or a game like No Man's Sky that came out, but for all intents and purposes <laughs> was early access. Um, everything is very fluid in that space right now. And I think. Over the long term, we'll see studios kind of gravitate toward one direction, but I think we'll always see all types of models surviving. It just might be smaller numbers for for some than others. You're saying that games are like me on the dance floor, gravitating toward one direction. <laughs> Not anymore. Now Hello. it's just Harry. Aww. Christian, how about you? What's your story of the week? 
Oh, man. No Man's Sky is the biggest. Uh, I think it's definitely the biggest story. But for me, the most fun story is that Nintendo World Championships are back again. Um, it's not what we remember from The Wizard. It's not California. It's much more in line with what they did last year, which is a Best Buy commercial. But Was it last year or was it 2015? Did, this, did they skip a year or was it? I can't oh, I don't know. It feels... I remember the beginning of this week when I thought I was going to have uh, no games to play except for Hellblade, and that went out the window, too. So I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember yesterday. Um, maybe they did skip a year, but it's it's back. Um, you know, Nintendo does such a good job of uh, leaning on nostalgia for things, but updating it along the way. And sometimes they don't update it quick enough, and Mario Kart is still Grand Prix after Grand Prix after Grand Prix. But other times, they really look back at their history and do things uh, smartly. And I think the way that they're continuing or bringing back, again, World Championships is a smart way to do what is essentially uh, Mario Odyssey demo stations, right? Because yeah. <laughs> everywhere this... the uh, qualifying rounds go at these best buys people have a chance to play mario odyssey early while they're competing with i think the qualifying rounds are mario kart 7 right which is is that right yeah. it's a 3ds game time trial mode in mario kart 7 yeah so like that's not the feature right i think and that's people, just ease of getting right. it to best buys <laughs> right exactly it's like you have these play yeah. but i think you'll get some pretty big crowds for people wanting to see mario odyssey some people still haven't been able to find a switch in stores so it's i think it's a really smart creative way to get your brand and product out there and get people hyped up for it and get those quote-unquote free i mean they're obviously paying for stuff but free commercials and, and free press and hopefully you know some little kid piloted or uh driven across the country by fred savage will win the whole thing yeah that's what we can all hope for um, i'm just really looking forward to power gloves seeing them <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're all waiting for the power glove competition um i guess the nintendo world championships uh back in 1990 were the first esports event is that fair okay. <laughs> i think that's, yeah I mean, I, that's what i would say yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of cool that nintendo is uh you know nintendo has been late to the party on a lot of stuff you know online play uh uh, you know, very various things that have taken over. It feels like esports. They were first two, and then they they left, and now they're coming back to. And if you know this announcement of World Championships happening again in 2017 isn't, hey, we're going to do this every year, which I kind of think it should be. I kind of think they should be like, hey, this is an annual event now that we'll do. Um, but it feels like they're just announcing them ad hoc as needed, you know. Um, but I kind of hope that it becomes this mainstay that happens every year and it's like at the same time every year and i think that would be a really cool tradition to for them to embrace but I mean, for me i think it's surprising that they're not you know pushing arms or or splatoon yeah you know more in this in these events i mean those those seem like very good opportunities for for, pe for people to be excited but also to sort of bring those games more to the forefront that's a really great point i suspect that in the finals they'll be competing in those games maybe they just don't have enough switches to get out to all the demo stations to let people uh, qualify with those games but it uh, could be it's interesting we actually i was at uh, toys r us looking for for stuff for my kids this weekend and i actually had uh switches for for sale there you know oh really yeah yeah um, I, my story of the week, I'm, I'm torn between a couple of them, uh, but I'm going to go with this, uh, the new game that was announced, uh, by the creator of Spelunky, uh, Derek Yu. And 
this is because uh, I talked about this on Newest Latest Best, my my daily video game show, and I kind of don't know if I'm excited about it. I don't know if this is a good thing, uh, and I'm curious what you guys think. Um, it was revealed this week that Spelunky creator Derek Yu is joining forces with the makers of uh, Downwell, Ridiculous Fishing, Time Barons, Scorpulak, and Madhouse. And they are coming out with a game that's really a collection of games called UFO 50. And it's 50 retro games that are designed to look like they were made in the 80s on like an NES. And they're all across an entire range of different genres, platformers, shooters, sports games, even adventure games, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, it says it, they were all created to look like they were made by a fictional company with an obscure uh, – or that was obscure in the 80s but ahead of its time. So, you know, this is kind of a neat thing. I'm, I'm into nostalgia and retro stuff. But 50 games in one package that are all – they said they're not micro games. This isn't like, you know, you play it for two minutes and you're done. They say the whole experience is going to be 100 hours to get through. Yes. It's insane. Like I don't – Maybe you guys have a better sense of this, but it feels like – isn't this just like drinking from the fire hose? And what's what's the purpose? I mean I'm into nostalgia and cool retro games I guess, but it just feels like too much too fast and to what end? What do you think, Kate? Uh, I think that's a really fascinating concept. Maybe it was kind of like a challenge to them, like see how many of these we can make in a, like a week or – I don't know. I wonder if they're like what the mindset was there. Um, the other thing you could see is which games people gravitate towards. The questions I would have would be like, are there leaderboards involved in this or like a hierarchy? Like since they are making what you said was like a fictional company that put all these together, it'd be really interesting to me if in each of these games they nested clues uh, and like over time, I don't know, I'm just designing it now, but like <laughs> player one, it's ready player yeah, one. Like, yeah. yeah, it could be it could be really interesting if they like embedded like secret message or something to uncover over the course of playing all these different yeah. 50 games to see if there's like some underlying theme or like not. Like a big but meta game know. on top of the 50. Yeah, like I yeah. would kind of that would make me be really interested. Um otherwise I'm sure all the little games are solid. I I I know it's a very interesting concept. I I like your idea. I think that would be cool. It'd be awesome if that's what they reveal is the next next level. Spoilers. I just I just solved it. What do you think, Anoop? Is this? Uh, I I kind of feel. I just I don't know whether this is an exciting thing or if it's if it's like yeah, buy it and you'll play a couple of them, but fifty fifty. Yeah, I mean it seems like a lot for sure, and uh, you know. I appreciate like, you know, growing up on these games and playing them all the time. I'm not a huge, like go back and play old games or, or old style games myself. I just, I'm always kind of moving forward. Uh, so it's not necessarily appealing directly to me, but I could see a situation where, you know, you're making 50 games of all these different genres and styles. Like if I'm playing it, it's not necessarily going to be that I'm going to play all 50 of them. Maybe there's 10 or so that I really attached to. I really like. And so they're kind of going for like that shotgun, approach where they're not going to appeal to everybody with everything, but they'll appeal to enough people with, with just a few sections of them. It feels like this is an exercise more for the designers than for the players. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It could, it could very well be like that. It's sort of like a, Hey, look at me. I'm a, I'm a designer. I, I, and I'm not saying that, like, I don't know them. I don't know. Right. (laughs) You know, I'm not, not, I'm not not casting aspersions either. I, but I just, I just, 
just seems like an odd thing. Like, why not put out a few at a time and space it out over two years or something? You know, I don't know. Uh, Christian, are you into this concept? I'm very into this concept, especially if they're all great. I mean, it's certainly, you know... What are the, the names... odds of all of them being great, though? Well, what are the odds? I mean, all of the games on the NES Classic and uh, Super NES Classic aren't great either. Um, sorry to the favorite game that you think is great that I don't think is great. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, the, the people, the names that attach to this have certainly made incredible games. And I think going this approach is a good way to get publicity for this package versus here's another 8-bit style game coming out two months later, another 8-bit style game coming out two months later, another eight. So you do this big package and they come out and maybe they're, they're all going to sell better. Maybe they're all going to make more money. And maybe there is some underlying underlying competition between them or something because Spelunky certainly was built around that, right? Leaderboarding and posting and sharing. But I mean, if, if 20 of them are great and this thing is priced what it's prop, you know, I doubt this is going to be a hundred dollars. Um, no, it sounds like a, it sounds like a big win to me. And I love the fact that they're doing a uh, 32 color palette and like restrictions ahead and it made in advance to make it feel authentic. I, uh, I love that they're making actual games and not just, you know, like you said, not just mini games. And I think limiting yourself to that style of design, uh, is fascinating and really cool to show that there's still new gameplay in that and and how are they going to tweak those formulas for things that have been done forever it's like you know you look at a you look at a bike and it's like yeah yeah two wheels this is how you move it and then someone's like no 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 what about this and you're like oh my god (laughs) why do we never think of adding a fourth wheel i don't know what it is but you know the example you're literally talking about reinventing the wheel is what you're saying yeah (laughs) i'd love Imagine how much better we could do now. <laughs> Look at the history of the skateboard. That's exactly what made it popular is that someone reinvented the type of wheel that was used on the skateboard. Uh, one more story I wanted to bring up, especially because uh, of our guests this week. Um, you know, we're, we're always talking about Valve not making games. Where's, where's the Valve game? The, why are they not a game company anymore? In fact, I think it was just last week we were talking about Steam and, oh man, wouldn't it be great if Valve made a, a game again? Oh, that's never going to happen. Didn't someone just make $10 million playing a Valve game this weekend? Yes, they did. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> I mean, several someones, yeah. That international went, went gangbusters. Um, but this is a new, at that very event, at the international, they announced a new game from Valve called Artifact, and it's a digital card game. So uh, the, <laughs> the bit of a letdown there, maybe. Um, it sounds like everybody needs to have a digital card game. My question to you guys, Kate and Anoop, uh, when is the Volition digital card game happening? Because everybody needs to have one now. Um, and uh, are you excited about Valve announcing a new game? I, I, I am, yeah, actually. Uh I'm I'm a I'm a big Magic player actually, um, and uh, I do like collectible card games. I don't play them as much digitally as uh, as I like because when I'm sitting down and playing uh, video games, I'm I'm usually wanting to do something that's more intense. But I'm still interested in in this. Uh, in particular, uh, our friend uh, Steve Jaros, who used to work at Volition, he's at Valve now, and he's actually working on this. So I'm definitely interested in checking out just from from that part alone, uh, seeing the kind of lore and stuff they've written. Yeah, uh, they uh, they mentioned that it's going to have um, uh, it said building barracks, creeps, and lanes. So there will be some reference to Dota two in the game. It's going to use the Dota two license and IP. Uh, Kate, it just it seems to me like with the success of 
of Hearthstone, everybody is jumping into this digital card game racket. And it, it feels a little bit of a glut at this point, but maybe there's room for more. I mean, I, I love seeing another Gwent, you know? Like, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> awesome. I think I think the reason why, I guess, you know, we're talking about exercises and, you know, designers pushing mechanics. Like, I think card games inherently are really attractive to designers um, because you have a format that can be iterated on and... Um, I don't know. There's just a lot you can do there. I, I'm also, uh, like Anoop, I am a huge fan of collectible, collectible card game games, and I've been playing a lot of digital ones, like uh, Hex, Shards of Fate. It's strictly a digital one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I say bring it on. Like I love all the variations of the card games. I think they're all very interesting, and especially those that can really iterate on that particular genre like really fascinate me because by the time like you think you think people have figured out everything and they're like no turn the card over you know <laughs> right. like like you think you think it's the end and then no they they find a way so it's like yeah. that it's like that three-wheeled bicycle that christian was talking about yeah <laughs> hey, if i could just have a quick moment i'm just going to say a few things and um feel free to come back and use these when you guys make your card game sure here let you me get my thought, that was a winner that's a good one okay and uh <laughs> <laughs> uh oh here it comes that's a good one what else could i do see what you do in their card game is you place your cards down in a saint's row oh and then, there you go. And then the, the saint's column will i don't know i don't know where i was going the saint's rows versus saint's columns <laughs> <laughs> for me one of the things that's uh interesting about these card games is uh we as a designer we have this we talk about this thing called design space which is Basically, when you when you make a mechanic, when you come up with an idea, you think about how much design space is there. Meaning, how much, how far can I explore this? How far can I take this before I run out or reach a limit of like what's viable or not? Uh, and card games, like physical card games, have a very uh, large amount of design space just inherently. And then you put that into the digital realm, and it, it explodes. Yeah. And we're we're not we're not even close to seeing what's all the possibility. Now, is there a market for that? Or are there enough people who want to play all those? That's a different question. But from a from like a mental exercise point of view, there's there's so much possibility that I'm interested in seeing. I love it, Witness, man. Witness was a lot like that. The Witness ran with a mechanic like super far as well. Yeah. The same idea. Yeah, yeah. this one simple thing that you think has very limited uh, application and it's like, oh no, I made a 60-hour game where all you do is trace <laughs> a line. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love that. I mean, I kind of came at this question uh, very cynically, and I love that you guys are like, no, 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 there's so much possibility. Card games, man. Yeah. No, we love um, card games in, in game <laughs> development. <laughs> I mean, I can understand it also the, the, the Valve fanboy or, you know, the, the people who are really interested in Valve games, you know, being frustrated by this announcement because they're looking for certain things like, you know, Half-Life 3 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so this isn't necessarily that. But, you know, I was talking to my friend uh, – at work the other day about this too, it's, which is like that valve doesn't have to make video games at all. Right. right? I mean, they have an, a, they have a money-making scheme. That's amazing. And it does extremely well. Uh, but they still continue to make games. Maybe not the games that everybody wants or, or is looking for. Uh, but ultimately they have to decide what's going to be right for their business and what they think is going to work for them long-term and what's the most cost-effective or, or best use of their time. And if they think this is one thing that's going to work, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt to try that out. And honestly, if you think about it, they're shepherding a huge part of the industry. So they're not like they themselves making games in in the you know sense that we generally understand it. But like th- what they do for um, developers is incredible. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's great. And at least, you know, at least it's not the Half-Life card game. It's not like they're like, we made a Half-Life <laughs> game. Well, that would have been, been infuriating for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, you know, small victory. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of making the most of your time, guys, let's talk about Blue Apron, our sponsor. Um, I happen to love Blue Apron. I don't know. Are you? I, I happen to actually genuinely love it. Uh, even if they didn't sponsor our show, I would be telling people about it because it has changed my life. It has changed my life. That is not that is not hyperbole. Um, literally, right before we started recording this, uh, I finished eating a Blue Apron meal that my wife prepared. But the cool thing is I feel like I can prepare Blue Apron meals and I'm a terrible chef. I've become better in the almost three years that we've been subscribed to Blue Apron. And that's because they make it super easy and I feel empowered to do it. All the stuff that I hated about preparing meals, like deciding what to eat and then going to the store and buying a bunch of ingredients and then having a bunch of leftovers of those ingredients and they just spoil in the fridge, all of that out the window. Blue Apron solves those problems by giving me awesome meals every single week. Really, really cool meals. We get three meals a week that uh, are suitable for two people. It works out to about 10 bucks a meal per person, which that's better than I was spending going out to eat. And I get to make them myself, which means I am learning these awesome skills and I know what's going in my food. It's healthier. It's awesome. And they taste as good as going to the restaurant. It is restaurant quality gourmet meals that I made myself. I feel this awesome sense of accomplishment. It's incredible. It's all locally sourced. Uh, They have 150 local farms, fisheries, and rancheries. Rancheries? Is that how ranchers? Is that the plural of ranches? Ranches. Rancheries. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so it's it's all very fresh. It's all really high quality stuff. You feel better. You, it's more affordable. You get more variety. That's another big thing is when I was uh, single and I was eating by myself, I'd eat garbage and I would eat the same garbage over and over and over. I had hot dogs and chili. I had chili dogs like three times a week when I was single. It was ridiculous. Now, tonight I had um, I had like pork. They were like pork burgers but with um, an amazing side salad and – uh, I think there was like okra on top. It was amazing. And we have these incredible meals, pastas and uh, chicken dishes that are incredible with like mustard sauce. I mean, I'm, it's, it has made my life better. It has made my marriage better. We, we love it. My wife, every, every time we make a new meal, she's like, oh, we got to keep this recipe. This one's amazing. But we get new recipes every week. So it's like the variety is incredible. It's flexible. It's easy. It comes right to your house. All the shipping is free. And we are going to give you a way to try it for free. You get your first three meals for free if you go to blueapron.com slash DLC and put in – oh, you don't know. There's actually not even any promo code. Just go to blueapron.com slash DLC and sign up. That way they know about your, they know that you heard about it on our show. And it helps us out, and you're going to love it. You're going to love how it feels, how it tastes, and and you're going to love the fact that you are actually making your own meals. It's awesome. Blueapron.com slash DLC to get three meals free to try it yourself. Oh, man, it's the summer, and yet there seems to be no stoppage of awesome things being released. And let's start 
With Agents of Mayhem, uh, of course, we have two of the creators of that game. And Christian and I were lucky enough to get early codes to play it on our PlayStation 4s. And I'm not just saying this because you guys are here, but I have been absolutely delighted by this game. It is so much fun right away. Christian, what's your what's your take on Agents of Mayhem? Yeah, so I I streamed it. I didn't go I didn't stream over five hours. Every everybody relaxed. The first time I was streaming, someone in chat said, dude, I think you're the only person streaming this game. And I was like, wait, nah, let me read my email. Uh <laughs> I had that like moment of like, oh crap, I messed up. I messed up. Uh, I didn't mess up. Um so you can listen, you can go back and find those. They're on my Twitch and archived on my YouTube, which is just Christian Spicer713. Um I am really enjoying the game. I do have two nits to pick, but I can get to that later. Um, man, I like the Saints Row games and I like their sense of humor, but at times it personally, Saints Row three was my favorite in terms of humor and times Saints Row humor graded on me over the course of the game. Agents of Mayhem, while I hate Hollywood, I think I'm supposed to hate Hollywood. Um, oh, I, I subbed him out real quick. Oh man. yeah. Hollywood. Like I got some... <laughs> but he's so good. He's so good. He's he's awesome. But like, yeah, no. Let, let's make that guy shut up. I'm gonna. I got some other cooler people. Hang on. Uh, I love I love the the personality and the humor of this game. I love the the GI Joe, the more you know moments. I find myself genuinely laughing uh, and chuckling along with it. I hate to be your legal team. I don't know how you got these costumes in the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just a joy to play uh at a time when especially this week other games i've been playing i really love but have been required uh me sweating and being scared this game has just been it's just fun it's whimsy jeff it's that it's that whimsy yeah. that we always talk about we love the whimsy um and and i'm sure you guys are getting a lot of comparisons to crackdown it, it, crackdown is a game i loved and this really scratches a similar itch crackdown and like um, um, infamous second son, that feeling of being in an open world, but being way OP all the time. And just the traversal of the open world is so much fun. Having triple jump all the time and dash all the time is a joy and just gliding, you know, from rooftop to rooftop and the aesthetic of this awesome, like comic booky kind of superhero world. But, like you said, mixed with G.I. Joe and 80s Saturday morning cartoons, which I grew up with. All of that is so much fun. And it's also got this great MOBA-esque uh, collect all the heroes kind of thing, which which I dig. Um, and I, you know, all, I was rushing around doing all of the agent missions to get all the new agents because every time I got a new agent, I got this cool new bevy of powers to play around with and cool new compositions. You're always getting stuff. Yeah. I've yet to end something and not just be overwhelmed in a good way with the stuff I get. And then sometimes I switch out the new stuff for the old stuff. Sometimes like, no, 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 old stuff sticking around. It's uh, it's that man, that dopamine beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nasty and, mistress sometimes. And I think that the actual uh, bad guys that you fight are much more interesting than in something like a crackdown. Uh, you, you tend to have more variety there. They're, they seem smarter than than just the fodder you find in a Grand Theft Auto or you know or even Saints Row for that matter. Uh, it seems much more interesting the the missions that you're going on. Um, I, I'm I'm loving the game, and now that we've sort of blown smoke for you guys, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about um, 
The, can I can I knit my picks real quick? Oh yeah, knit your picks. That, that we'll we'll burst their bubble a little bit. Yeah, car, sorry if this is either of you specifically. My my knits to pick. Uh, when I run, I feel as if my camera gets a little wobbly when I'm on foot. Like I don't have the best way I've been able to articulate it when playing is it. It feels like a roadie run from Gears of War, maybe, but with the a pulled out camera. I don't feel as constrained, so I feel like I should have a little bit of more control while I'm running uh, that I don't maybe have the precision I want, especially during some of the race minigames. And then the second one, I wish, and this is, we always say this about pretty much every driving game or driving sequence, I wish driving just had a little more, uh, what's that word, burnout in it. I want, I want, (laughs) it's like, I'm doing cool stuff and I'm seeing cool stuff, but I'm just not feeling it quite as much as I want to when I'm in the car because I am hitting everything by the way <laughs> but the dude getting in the car when you're right. in that circle and you get so the good. awesome animation of getting in the car that is so satisfying and rad. you can watch the stream every time i do it i go this I, I, literally every time i did it i would go Woo! i couldn't not <laughs> i couldn't not do it all right so when you say when you talk about the sprint the run are you talking about when you're sprinting correct yes yes okay. when i'm sprinting yeah that's that we that's actually intentional um I and I know it's it's frustrating because, <laughs> but it's, it's we we what we want is if you're running that means you're trying to you get away and we actually want you to have less control because the idea is you, you're you're sort of um, making decision to not be engaging with with the enemy or 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 the area you're just trying to get somewhere, and so in order to do that we actually make it so that you can't turn as quickly. Hmm. Oh well, my kids are here. Show's over for me. Bye, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, were you on keyboard, mouse, or controller when you were doing this, too? I'm just curious. PS4, controller, DualShock, yeah. Controller. Okay. Because um, the other thing, I worked a lot with the animation and um, traversal designers. Um, and uh, the other thing that we do in our game is we have a difference between our combat controls as, and our traversal controls. And we switch between how responsive the controls and animations are and how they interplay, depending on if you're in combat or if you're strictly traversing the city. Um and so there is a little bit of logic there that needs to kick in between if whether you're engaged in combat or whether you're traversing, and sometimes maybe it's a little bit different. But when you want precision, you should be feeling precision. And when you are looking for um, more of that breath of like just like running around the city, it should be switching to that mode. Hmm, so I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see those transitions. <laughs> it is. It is interesting. I, I think the game has so many cool flourishes, especially from the animation. And we already talked about like getting into the car. There's this cool thing where if you you can summon a car, and if you stand in the circle, each of the different agents that you can play as in the game has their own cool get in a car animation, which it like it's so rad and it's it feels so awesome. Another one that I wanted to point out is um, Yeti. The there's like this Russian um, uh, frozen. Oh, you mean ice. you mean not Panthro? <laughs> yeah, not Panther. <laughs> not uh, Panther. <laughs> when he jumps, he like puts his his cool ice gun like between his legs and uses it like a pogo stick. It's the coolest thing. And there's so much uh, so much stuff like that in the game that are just fun little flourishes that aren't necessary and in in most games wouldn't be there, but just add to a very delightful experience here. Yeah, we had we had to work really hard for details like that. Um, again, like our, our designers and our animators worked really closely together. And, um, you know, there's this constant, like, 
discussion in, in development about like, do you have responsive controls versus smooth animations, right? And so that that intersection of where design or where um, like feedback needs to be precise versus animation needs enough time to play out. There's a really important line there. And with those critical animations, like you're talking about with Yeti, um, we were able to find that really fine line um, to have most of the groups be pretty happy with all the instances. So it was interesting you said that they don't have, those details don't have to be there. Yeah. In, in our minds, they actually do not because they they're they're functional, but because they. They build on the experience that you guys like. The, they're it, it's creating the response in you guys that we exactly wanted when we created the game, which is you want to see those agents and you want to see their individuality, you want to see their personalities in the way they move, how they behave, what they say, all of those things. And so, having those unique animations and showing those things off is is an important part of the game itself. Yeah, that's why we dedicated a lot of time to it. Right, uh, and it's I mean it it really does pay off, and and as far as I'm concerned. Um, my biggest nit to pick is uh, that here we are in this cool squad-based game, and I can't play it with Christian. I, we can't play together. Uh, I think that's uh, that's my biggest bummer is that I can't do this fun game with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly, you're not the first person to uh, bring that up with us, including <laughs> many people at all levels of our company, you know, corporate and, and the studio itself. Uh, and uh, yeah, it wasn't something that we we – <laughs> did lightly or, or made that decision it wasn't like oh hey why didn't we do that uh you know when, when it came down to it we rebuilt our tools and technology uh and and that required us to basically build everything from scratch including any multiplayer code that we have and uh and while we're building this game you know we're building a lot of new stuff we're figuring out new things uh we had to sort of make decisions about what are we going to spend our time on and in the end we decided we wanted to focus on making a great single player game that people will really enjoy. And then maybe in the future have some opportunities with multiplayer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but also the other big thing was we wanted as an individual for you to feel like you are controlling these squads, you are controlling this agency and you don't need another player in order to feel that excitement and that, that enjoyment. And that's why the squad or the, uh, the agent swap mechanic is so important. Mm -hmm. You are taking those agents out in the field with you and you are controlling all of them. You're deciding what all of them do at all times. Yeah. I mean, there are so many systems in the game that are really fun to dig into, leveling up each of your individual characters and, you know, finding those uh, crystals to add the uh, the big sort of power-ups that you can add, adding gadgets, getting new items, making decisions as to what you're going to equip in your characters. Can you talk a little bit about how all of those systems evolved? Yeah. Uh, so – Again, we're we're known for customization in Saints Row. Or you could you could make your character look and dress however you wanted them to look, and it didn't really matter. But you got to choose all those things. For Agents of Mayhem, these agents are very specific characters. They they dress how they believe they should dress. They act how they should act. So customization from from a visual standpoint uh, couldn't work the same way. So what we felt was it, we needed our players to have an element of ownership element of customization and that came in the gameplay and that meant we needed to have uh, multiple layers and options to for players to customize how their agents behaved and how they they synergize with each other mm -hmm. it, it, it i really dig it I, and there's a lot of fun stuff to dig into there and you know you're you're making money and you're spending money and and you've got all of these um these special weapons that use uh that use up charges that actually cost money to keep 
uh, crafting. Um, so a lot of that stuff I get, you know, precious about and what am I going to use and what am I going to equip? Very, very fun stuff. Um, okay. Can you talk a little bit about the fact that the game, I mean, we, we've come a long way from the era of, of getting excited for cutscenes, I think. Uh, but this game's cutscenes are like watching a cartoon. <laughs> uh, can you talk about, you know, the decision to actually have hand animated, you know, cell, cell animated, uh, cartoons as cutscenes? Oh, totally. Yeah. So, um, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's a little bit of uh, nostalgia going on. There's that hearkening back to Saturday morning cartoons um, that people would have grown up with um, in the in the United States and um, some other regions that we found as well. In some cases, it wasn't something that directly translated to other cultures, which we found out a little bit later. Um, but yeah, uh, we wanted to make sure to have within our game that like core cartoon feeling, um, but then also make sure to inject that mature sense into it. So um, every agent that you unlock has these like wonderful um, animated sequences, some of them bloody, some of them silly, um, a nice variety there to, you know, just get our overall intent and feel across. Because um, if you think of that as the foundation, the rest of the game starts to make sense. Like where we have the mayhem nose little um, quotes from each of the agents as you return to the arc. That was like our nod to the more you know kind of uh, PSAs back in the day. It's great. It's so fun. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 it's interesting to me also that this you guys kind of created a shared universe, right? With all of your games like this, this exists in the saints row timeline. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, one of the things we did was tie it into the ending of Gat out of hell. Um, one of five potential endings of uh, saints row Gat out of hell was to essentially retcon the entire saints row universe. Um, and so we had fun with that. Like, this is a new IP. Agents of Mayhem is a standalone franchise. Um, but we thought it was fun to kind of, like, take that little bit of humor of, like, the Saints Row universe and kind of spin it that way. Um, so we are able to bring back some beloved characters. And we are able to, like, have inside jokes with ourselves that players will enjoy if they know the Saints Row franchise. But you don't necessarily have to play the Saints Row franchise to enjoy this game. Yeah. Could you guys talk about your what I imagine must be a warehouse, like your reference room. And I don't know, obviously some are intentional. Uh, some maybe aren't. Like when I was started off as Fortune and her triple jump just immediately screamed Jet Grind Radio to me. And I was like, okay, in, this is amazing. Um, and it's like, it, there's, there's bits and pieces of everything. I'm not saying this game doesn't feel original, but you can look at it and think, okay, Hollywood is Soldier 76 and Fortune is a little tracer. And then now... Um, I have one of my characters, I forget her name because she's air quote storm. Um, <laughs> uh, every, everything has like what's happening in the game, but then also, you know, a wink or a nod to something the way, like you said, the, the more, you knows the eighties or nineties Saturday morning cartoon, um, even the bad guys having their own, each person kind of having their own motive screamed to me, um, you know, that G.I. Joe version of, yeah, there's Cobra Commander, but there's also everyone else that's like, yeah, forget Cobra Commander <laughs> when they're off on their own. I mean, what what were your pulls and how often did you go into that versus, um, you know, staying in the the city of soul that you created? Uh, yeah, so that's a really good question. I, I mean, when it comes to like, you know, characters that or in other games that you see, they're like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's this other character from Overwatch and stuff like that. A lot of those happen because 
we're, we're building off archetypes that exist that other people are doing the same thing. So for instance, Hollywood is our Duke or Flint archetype character, right? And so he's the face of the saints, but he, he doesn't, or the, of, of mayhem, but he doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't act like those guys, right? But, but that's his function. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Yeti and, and Hardtack are the, the big bruiser characters. Uh, and, and, and so what we do is we, we sort of think about those kinds of archetypes and think about, okay, what's the volition spin on those things? What, what makes them interesting or different? What makes them uh, a little tongue-in-cheek? And, and then we just kind of bounce different ideas back and forth. across it. You kind of joked about the warehouse. And the warehouse isn't a physical place, but it's, this, it's a shared space, a mental space between you know, our writers, our designers, our artists, our you know, everybody at the company. And, and ultimately what we're doing is sort of throwing out these, these references, not for the sake of the references, but as a sense to, as a foundation to build off of. Yeah. Cause like sense. Hollywood's like Michael Bay, right? You have the Michael yeah. Bay action movie moment. And that's something that is universally understood as a parody. And then other things like people had explained to me like, no, John Woo, doves, gat. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so, you know, there's you know, it, a lot of people are able to like have like their personal things that they love and enjoy and then bring that up. And then as a character is formed, sometimes um, those references fit. Right. Yeah. But I feel like it's not, I, you know, Saints Row, I think began as kind of a parody of Grand Theft Auto and it it grew into its own thing. But I feel like this, as much as it lives in that parody space and, and is fun and funny, it all, it also manages to have its own identity and feel like a cool concept in and of itself. Like I dig, I dig the interaction of the agents, you know, they, they have their own fiction. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's really important. I mean, it's, it's it's really about the fact that we we can have jokes, we can even start from jokes, but that shouldn't be def- that should be the defining characteristic of anyone or anything in the game, right? If that makes sense. So like oh, totally, like you know, August Gaunt is sort of our our Justin Bieber pop star bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's, there's definitely parody elements to him, and he's he's annoying, and he's, he's you want to kill him, and all these things, but he's also a threat in the game. He 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 is somebody that needs to be stopped. He's not a joke just on his own. Right. Yeah, and one of the things you're getting at too, I realized when we started first talking to the press outwardly about the game, it, it was it was tricky because like I could explain it like, yeah, we have like Diablo 3's difficulty sliding system and we have like progression systems that are more akin to like RPGs in terms of depth of progression. And then like you swap like in a fighting game, like we, you're right, like we are combining a lot of elements within this game that you're typically not seeing. So it does feel it feels like a new thing. And I think for some people it's confusing and other people um, when they're more open to it and realizing what we're doing, they're like, okay, like this is just, you know, combining elements that haven't been combined before this way. Someone said the same thing to the first person to make cake. And we all know how that turned out. (laughs) (laughs) I I was just sort of getting to after several hours of playing it, I was just getting to realizing the potential of the character swaps mid combo mid fight, you know, because I think Christian, you kind of mentioned like, Oh yeah, I gravitated toward fortune. Me too. I like, I just was like, Oh, which of these three characters do I enjoy most? I'll just stick with that one. And I realized, Oh no, there's these systems are built for me to pop back and forth and do set things up for other characters and be my own, my own teammate, you know, in a lot of ways. Right. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the, the not having co-op in the game. We wanted you to feel like you were your own teammate at all yeah. times. 
You get yeah, to choose cool. three or three favorites at a time on the field instead of the one. You oh know? yes, definitely. I was definitely composing my my. I'm into what's the name of the character that has the bow and arrow? The the girl who's the the Rama. Bama. She's awesome. I was like owning fools with that bow and arrow, man. Uh, so fun. Anyway, um, so here we are recording this before the game launches. Game launches on Tuesday, so you guys are almost on the eve of your launch. And I know both of you have been through this many times. Uh, with many other games, but can you explain to us what, what that experience is like? I mean, knuckleheads like us have been able to play the game already, but the vast majority of the people haven't touched it yet. So what's, what's this like, uh, you know, you've done all you can do pretty much up to this point and the game's going to, you know, be released to the masses in, in hours. What's that like? So for, it's kind of weird because it's kind of like uh, working on a movie where, you, you go and you, you film it, you're with the actors, you figure all these things, and then it's basically done. And then you go into editing and you're, you're fixing problems, you're, you're, you're doing all this stuff, and then you go and print it. And then it's you, you, you're kind of done with it for a while. Like I haven't actually worked directly on the game for several weeks at this point. Uh, but other people have been working on it, putting it in the box, making patches, all that kind of stuff. Um, so for some people it ends for, and it ends at different times and for other people it's still going on and it'll go on after the game is out so you have this weird uh people are living it with their different mental states with it all the time um but for me uh, you know i'm just i'm really excited because uh this is the first game that i really had like a lot of uh input on from the very beginning i've been very excited about uh all the like from its initial concept stage all the way through its, its this final release, and uh, it's it's been great seeing something that I've had such personal investment in come to life, and then and then more importantly seeing how people have been responding to it. So we're at, we're sort of at this nerve wracking stage where we're seeing you know people stream the games. You, you know you guys are getting it early. You're telling you're giving us feedback. You're telling us you're enjoying it, which is great. But you know once the general public season once we start getting the review scores we really start to see kind of okay is this hitting is is are people really uh responding to it or or is it is it uh people, people hate it or are they just not going to buy it and right. and so it's it's kind of nerve-wracking at this point yeah yeah you mentioned how um you, you know acknowledge you know we've been doing this a long time um between me and, me and anoop and uh I guess hearkening back a little bit to our earlier conversation, it is a little bit different now with launches because you have things like Twitch. Like I've been watching all weekend people streaming our game and playing the first five hours. And it is the weirdest thing because that's not something that we used to see, like having it out in public and being able to watch it, you know, before it goes live. Like, yeah, you can have you had like closed betas or you'd have, you know, usability tests like internally. But um, there's a lot more of the co- a conversation now with people out there. Um back and forth giving feedback and that's a really cool thing to have happen after like even before a game is launching um and then the ability to continue that conversation um like we're talking about with with the games and how there's a lot more back and forth and ability to update and keeping games alive like there's a lot of potential there to just it's not just like launch and done right it's like launch and now where is this conversation going to go um, well, that leads me to my next question. Is there is there a plan, a roadmap? Are there new agents that will be added to the game and stuff like that? So we've announced so far we have um, Gat, who is our um, one of our pre-order bonus agents, as well as Lazarus. So we have two agents there. Um, we have like a series of skins. But other than that, we've not announced any other content. 
We, we do have plans, I, but we, we have not. Yeah. I didn't hear a no. <laughs> <laughs> See how I did that? Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a, a little bit about some of the other games that you guys have been playing. Kate, I see that you've managed, uh, even during a crunch of a major release, um, to put in some, some time on some other games. Is, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah, I mentioned Fortnite earlier. Um, otherwise, yeah, like like you're saying, I, my time of like how long I can play games has been limited so far. So I've been able to pick at uh, Hex Shards of Fate, which is a digital collectible card game, um, digital only. So they do a lot of cool card game stuff. Uh, and uh, Anoop and uh, Ryan at last E3, uh, the one that happened recently, got me onto Final Fantasy XIV, which I had never picked up um, because I swore off MMOs because they took all my time. And then suddenly this expansion came out and it seemed really awesome. They pull so, you uh, back in. I know. It's <laughs> terrible. No, I love it. I, I've been really enjoying it so far. Um, so Anoop, tell me, tell me why uh, you, you had to have <laughs> – Kate getting on Final Fantasy fourteen. What, what, what do you know? <laughs> so, to be fair, I didn't say like Kate, you have to play. I, 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 mean, I just, why did you <laughs> shackle her to the computer? I have kids. Her. I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> we described the game to her, and she seemed very excited because. And, and really, what it comes down to is, I'm I'm very excited about the game. So, you know, it's kind of bad because right now, like that is all I am playing. Final <laughs> uh, Fantasy fourteen, and it just it it stuck me in. I'm not a big MO. I wasn't a big MMO player beforehand. I played WoW a little bit here and there. Played a decent amount of Guild Wars two and and a, and a few others here and there. But Final Fantasy fourteen is the first one that where I I played it when the reboot came out, and then I kept coming back to it and gotten more and more engaged each time I've come back to it. Were you a Final okay. Fantasy guy? Is that why? You- I, I am a Final Fantasy guy, but more importantly, I think it's the the, the systems and the mechanics and, and how they incentivize players to play by themselves, but also with other players and make it uh, a safe and friendly environment in general. Because I'm not a big competitive player. I don't, I don't get excited by defeating other people or, uh, you know, dealing with trolls or anything like that. So like I'm, I, you know, I, I like it when people are cooperating and, and, and working well together, which generally works only with people, you know, but final fantasy 14, the way that, you know, they have their, these, these, what they call roulettes, which are basically matchmaking cues uh, for their dungeons and other, other more challenging content. And they, they make it so that like, if it's the first time you're doing it, everybody gets a bonus for doing that. Uh, if, if I don't know what I'm doing, People, I just say uh, this is my first time, and they they give you lots of help, and they they're and because everything goes by quickly if everyone knows what they're doing and, and they're not fighting with each other, hmm. and uh and and it's it's entirely possible that other MMOs have some of these things, but Final Fantasy fourteen was the first one that I came across that that exposed it and made it very clear and obvious how well it works. Uh, Kate, it sounds like you like me uh, have have had a storied past with uh, MMO addiction. <laughs> Um, so what, what is it about 14 that is doing it for you? What's, what's, what's the magic sauce on this one? Um, I'd poked around at some of the other ones that had come up. So I left WoW during the cataclysm. Um, in my mind, all my characters just died. Like that was the <laughs> end. They didn't make it. They stood too close to the edge. Where they the fell in the, they like, were just, yeah. Yeah, none of them. Like that was, I, that was a nice clean break for me. Um, so since then I tr- I've tried another, uh, like a few of the MMOs, like I think Wildstar and I tried uh, Guild Wars 2. There, there were a few of them. Um, but yeah, this one I like, uh, one, because I do like the Final Fantasy universe too. Um, they have like a really neat integrated story um, throughout the uh, campaign and that part you can kind of play solo and then they also have a really strong like um, mm like uh, multiplayer component but you can 
pick at it separately. So for me, like, I feel like it's a, it's one that I can pick at on my own, but also as soon as I want to play with people, it's really quick to jump in and do that. Um, yeah. And I get to make a demon character again. So, I mean, hey. demon character, so. Yeah. <laughs> demon character for the win. Yeah. Uh, you also have listed here uh, Torment Tides of Numenera, which is a game uh, I played uh, a fair amount of and really dug. Um, are you a fan of those old uh, top-down isometric RPGs? I, I may have uh, purchased quite a few of those. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I was playing Pills, Pillars of Eternity. I have um, the other one, Tyranny, um, the Baldur. Like, I've, yes, I've, <laughs> I've been picking out a lot of them. Um, but this one particularly, like I loved the Planescape universe. And then this one... I don't know what it is. Like the the way that the story unfolds, I was actually reading everything. Yeah. You know, and it's so every different, every right? single little NPC had something really interesting to say and it felt different from other RPGs that I've experienced. Maybe it was just because I was newer to that universe. But for me like the intersection of like technology and like psychic ability and like humanity and alien science, all of that, it just has this neat spin to it. Yeah. Um, plus all the different options and how you can grow your, I guess, morality, whatever they call that system. I don't remember what it is offhand. Yeah. No, it's it's super cool. And I, I was just speaking about this recently with somebody about um, stuff that isn't just orcs and elves, you know, feels yeah. fresher. You know, it's like there's, there's so a lot fresh. of – Yeah. There's a lot of breadth <laughs> in fantasy that, that can live and not just be Tolkien. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. cool when something does something more more unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anoop, any other uh, games on your on your playlist? Uh, the other thing that I've been spending a significant amount of time is playing Diablo three uh, with my daughter Asha. She's seven, uh, but she's, you did that she's necromancer. Really, <laughs> I, I I know. I actually I've only played the necro a little bit myself because when she started, it was before the necro came out, and so I I made a barbarian because I hadn't played with the barbarian yet, and she made a crusader. So we're just kind of rolling through that way, and I didn't want to start again with the necromancer with, while we were doing that. So. That's cool. You know, you can power level that stuff in like an, an hour. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, no, I I can do that, but but then she'll be confused. So. Oh, right, you're like, quiet, honey. I'm power leveling. One, one second. Yeah. Daddy, what are we doing today? <laughs> well, you're leveling up my necromancer. Uh, 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 but she's she's enjoying it. She 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 really because it's you know it's it's you can play at different difficulty levels, and so she can just kind of smash the button. She doesn't have to be super awesome at it, but she can still be very effective and. And she just she, the story is simple enough for her to follow and stuff like that. That's so awesome. it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Love it, uh, Christian. You and I have been playing a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of overlap actually this week. Um, in addition to Agents of Mayhem, uh, we both you purchased. I purchased Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. I did. I, I did. I did. I thought that was going to be all I was playing this week. When yeah. I purchased it. Uh, but uh, the games kept kept coming. What do you think? Um, this is the new Ninja Theory game that um, they, they're kind of doing more as like an indie title almost and is about kind of going insane in the Nordic world of uh, fable. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, tell me what you think of Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. So I love the idea of it. I love what they set out to do. Ninja Theory self-proclaimed it is that mid-tier game. It's, you know, what, twenty nine ninety nine or whatever it is. I, you know, so I forget the exact price. I yeah, think that's it's right. 30 bucks, yeah. And it's uh, seven to ten hours. They said, I have not finished it. I got distracted. Um, and they said, you know, AAA graphics, AAA production. That's but for a, sure. 
a limited story and in what you're doing and you're not uh leveling up and you're not unlocking all these things and you're it's not secretly an mmo and there's not you know multiplayer that comes out later or a horde mode it's it's this experience and i i love that i love that they committed to it and i think they they knocked it out of the park again at least what i've played of it with staying focused with a narrow vision and a story and and what they're trying to tell and it is beautiful yeah absolutely beautiful my my nit to pick with the game is that there are often doors that need to be unlocked by finding um, corresponding symbols in the world. And while the game has uh, some help for you to locate those symbols, uh, I find them to be a little more arbitrary than I think the developers intended. And so on two occasions, I've gone to a wiki to just... I'm like, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm no longer having fun. I don't think I understand part of the game is to toy with you mentally, but I don't think I was supposed to be here for 15 minutes trying to find this R. Uh, so I've done that on two occasions and doing that for me has made the game an absolute joy. And it's an easy recommend. I don't know if you've been having more frustration with it. I have. Well, part of my frustration is the fact that I ran into a game-destroying bug that made me have to restart uh, completely after three hours in, which is never fun, especially in a game as linear as this. That's part of the story, dude. You just got got, got mind-freaked. I got (laughs) mind-freaked. Oh, that is. It is deep, interesting, though. Deep meta. <laughs> we were just talking about Eternal Darkness. You know, it's back. They did it. I guess. They pulled it off on a system level. <laughs> I am playing it on PC, so um, you know, I'm on PS4. Yeah, maybe you don't get as many bugs. I don't know, but yeah, it was it was very frustrating. Um, so that colored my experience, and I think I would go further than you in the uh, complaint about the unlocking of the doors mechanic because it's like a full 50% of the game. I mean, it's half the game is is combat, which I think is really cool. It's very uh, uh, in your face, like big 20% characters. is combat, 30% is doors, the rest is walking? Walking. No, did you find the button that makes you run? Because it took me yep. a while to find that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank I, God. I, yeah. Yeah, I'd be running. Because even running is like most games walk. (laughs) This game's walk is most games prone, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think that's intentional. It's a a slow, methodic journey into hell, literally. Jeff's talking about the game again. He's talking about the game. Yeah. The, all the audio is very. What does he think like about that. the game? Is he thinking about the game? Yeah, and it's trying to give you hints in, with that stuff. It's like she's closer to it. She's closer. Nope, she's no, it's definitely the wrong way. Hotter, the wrong hotter, way. left, right, cold, cold, cold. Is this a game breaking bug? Is yeah. this a game breaking bug? Or is the door just not opening? So the yeah the the unlocking of the doors with the thing is like cool once, but the fact that oh that's like a major mechanic in the game is this is not that should have been one puzzles solution but it's like a recurring theme throughout the game and it gets a little tired very fast especially because the solution is invariably did you walk everywhere you can walk it's like it's not there's no think it out there's no like uh mental challenge of what the puzzle is it's did you walk everywhere you can walk because that's the answer the answer is if you haven't found it, it's because you haven't found it. It's not because you didn't figure it out. It's because you're twisting the camera. Yeah. It's lining up. You're literally matching a letter to a facsimile of that letter. But it's also, you can, you only, you only see that thing from a very specific position in the game world. So if you didn't find the little path that leads you around the corner, that's the problem is you just had to find that path around the corner and, Oh, I didn't notice there was a path there. Anyway, I can't overstate how gorgeous this game is. It is beautiful. It's like 
well acted. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. digital characters emote in really powerful ways and, and it's, it's a cool game. Um, but it's flawed, uh, certainly heavily so in my opinion. Um, so I, I was frustrated with it a, a fair bit, but there's a lot to like too. So, um, conflicted. Yeah. I second that. I, I, I would say on the scale of like player path, it's, it's solidly on the play side of things, but it is, it, it is flawed and it's not perfect, but I also think it's not, what it sets out to do most of the time it achieves right uh it's no agents of mayhem let's just put it that way hey uh, <laughs> christian I, uh, i'm oh, sorry go ahead this one kind of snuck up on me i haven't had a chance to check it out but i would i would like to yeah uh because i i'm i'm interested in other games succeeding at the in this in this way like like you said this this you know small, lower price point I, it's it's very frustrating as a as a developer as somebody who's who makes and sells video games that you know, they're at this at this high level, at this AAA level. There's only one price point that makes that you're allowed to be successful at. Everything else is is, is a no, right? Or you're an indie game. Yeah. Um. So I, I definitely am interested in you know more people succeeding at this in this kind of fashion. Yeah, you guys had me at Eternal Darkness, so <laughs> <laughs> it does mess with you, and that's and not not maybe not in the meta way that it. Although oh, okay. you know, it remains to be seen maybe maybe wait for the next game we talk about, Kate. If you're a big Eternal Darkness fan, yeah. Though. Well, let's let's yeah. transition into that because this is a one that I wasn't on my radar at all, and you and I got codes. When does this come out? Does this come out this week? It comes out the fifteenth. Okay, so same day as as. Um, Ages of Mayhem, uh, Tuesday. Uh, but I was not aware of this. I, I, and it's got Rutger Hauer in it. It's, uh, so the game's called Observer. We should say the name of the game. Yeah. <laughs> as we're, as we're talking around it, it's from, uh, the blooper, blooper team. They made Layers of Fear was their other, it was a, I think a million seller. It was a, it was a big hit, um, in that horror space. And yeah, this game, there isn't tons on it right now. Before I also, knew nothing about it i it wasn't on my radar at all when i started to play it in my head for some reason i thought it was a it was a a, a pixel 2d side scroller i don't know why i thought that well that's what i thought even when i was downloading it yeah before i talk about it though i want i want to hear you talk about it what do you think this is like i mean there's no it's no coincidence Rutger Hauer's in it right because it feels like they wanted to make blade runner the game and if you are into blade runner i think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised by this game as i was i think you're going to want to grab this it it is uh a game i wish was in vr (laughs) i really do i think it was made until you don't (laughs) well until it messes with you but um it's it's got that vr pace which is stand around look at stuff think it through oh is that can i fiddle with that thing oh okay cool it's got that slower pace that i think works really well in vr and it's first person um so I, I was constantly wishing that I was playing it in VR, but it is really, really cool design. Like they, this, the Blade Runner world that they create is aesthetically really striking. Um, Rutger Hauer sounds like he needs to see a physician immediately. His VO work is like, is he going to live? Is he going to live through this? this it's incredible. Time? It's incredible I, for the character. 100% incredible. I'm going to talk to you today. And it's like, oh God, is he dying right now as we're hearing it? Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's he's a grizzled noir detective uh, and you have to solve the mystery of what happened to his son. And uh, you're, you know, wandering through these streets it's a game where they do 
managed to do a lot with a little because the game feels very big, but isn't. It's it, like everything is very smushed together, but there's a lot of stuff that exists for no reason. And that makes it feel like big. It's like, oh, I can wander all the way through this building. There's nothing in it, but it makes it feel like, oh, I could just go wherever I want. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed with it. There's a lot of of craziness that starts to happen as you move through the game. You get these different visual um, filters that you can put on that let you analyze the crime scene in different ways. And uh, it kind of messes with your perception in a lot of ways. And he's kind of going crazy as well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't finished it, but it, I'm very intrigued by the game. I also have not yet finished it. Uh, I'm not allowed to give a review. Uh, so these are just impressions. Oh, is um, that so? I wasn't told that. Uh, well, it's fine. You haven't given a review either. Oh. So you haven't finished the game. You can't give it a Fair review. Fair enough. Uh, um, let's just say that it, it's on my faves of the year list. Wow. Um, <laughs> I love this game. I love that it came out at the same, that I got it at the same time as Agents of Mayhem because they are perfect polar opposites palette swap uh, palette cleansers for me it's like a little sorbet here and there and i was like okay i gotta gotta take a break from this i'm gonna go to this i'm gonna go to this and observer blew me away i think how you talk about you know you you go places but it doesn't serve a reason i think it all does it's all world building and every door you knock on and you talk to someone while they might not open it and let you in and it's not progressing the thing i think it is totally talking about the world that is actually happening around you in a way that I think is even more specific than something like, you know, a Fallout. You talk about how in Fallout 4, how you love that all of these spaces are are handmade and showing you the details of this world. In Observer, I feel like that's it's that to a hundred. And it's just rich with this world that has been, you know, it's Blade Runner 2499, right? Where like uh everybody is modded with um digital enhancements and how that has ruined people's lives and helped others and big brother corporation uh you know running amok and then all of these mental effects that are happening to you because if you're cybernetics and then the way you interrogate witnesses is i think very unique but totally fits this world and this game is by the layers of fear people so it does have the horror propensity to it but for me because i was playing it in this cyberpunk setting i was able to play it alone late at night whereas resident evil 7 and some of these other horror games i i can't um but it has all of that stuff like you know a baby crying and a chair twitching or whatever it is but it's done in this chair twitching there definitely there's definitely chair twitching uh augmented reality perception way in those eternal darkness style things where you're walking forward and the level will glitch and all of a sudden it's behind you and everything has shifted and what you think you know isn't there anymore and you're walking through a hallway that just seems to repeat but things are subtly updating and and you don't know what to trust who to trust or what this whether your narrative is reliable or the information you're getting from other people. And at its core, it's this simple mystery that you're trying to solve. But I feel like the the small side quests that come out of it are very real and authentic and something that a detective would track down. And the the visual, the aesthetic, this world that you're living in is just it just absolutely blowing me away. I am and, and also I haven't finished the game the way that it does all of this and keeps you on the edge of your seat and you're not shooting things 
you know, it's not a game where you're, I mean, it's, it's, you don't, don't play this with our kids now, uh, <laughs> but it's not relying on that mechanic. It's very much, you know, detective mode, right? Like yeah. Batman detective mode, but in a fully realized gone to hell world um, where cybernetics have, you know, the, the, the boom in, in the bane or whatever of existence. And then as it tells you this story about this down and out cop, um, I, it's, I think it's incredible. I am, I am absolutely in love. But it'd be better in wow, VR, right? killing me. This sounds amazing. <laughs> like you're saying all these buzzwords like Blade Runner and Noir and Detective and Crime. Like, oh my God, give me this thing. Like, what is this? Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wishlist it right now. If you, like, if you dig any of that stuff, you're going to love it. I mean, we say Blade Runner, but it is like the most Blade Runner, Blade Runner. It is. It, I'm so excited for this. And Rucker Howard is grizzled beyond belief. It is, you know, wow. it's, yeah. It's, oh, there it is. You, on, on Steam, right? I see yes. It. I, am I mean, the, literally Steam. the first scene is uh, he's in his car in the rain in future city it's listening so to a vid a vid recording you know it's like it is all that stuff that you want you know have okay. have you interrogated jeff yes speaking broadly yes. um it's so yeah well it's cool because a lot of the game they obfuscate people and then once you in actually come to people it's like oh <laughs> oh hello game yeah but this game would be better in vr right christian I don't think so. I think I would throw up the, the effects that it starts doing to you mental, like that eternal darkness or, you know, pick your poison for that type of game. Well, they don't, um, they wouldn't do it in the same way if it wasn't VR, but they would. They well, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I think a version of this game would work well in VR. It's called Arkham uh, Knight or whatever, <laughs> Arkham VR. I, I do think this detective mode type of game could work and it is a slow pace. You're not running and whipping around corners, but I think out of VR, um, when I got the code, I, I said, like, Jeff's going to say he wants this in VR. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I mean, that's – but it's, it makes sense. It's not just because I want everything in VR, although I do. Um, <laughs> Is it, though? <laughs> uh, I know we're already uh, kind of running along here, but I do want to bring up another game that I played this week uh, because of our guests. Uh, it's a game called Fictorum. I don't know if anybody has heard of this game. It was a Kickstarter. They, they raised $30,000, and they made this game. It's very small dev team. Uh this is one of those games I was talking about on newest, latest, best. It's one of those games that I like to say is more fun than it is good because it's not it, – it, it could benefit from a layer of polish. This is a small dev team. This is um, not a game that's going to go shoulder to shoulder with, with AAA releases like we've been talking about so far. Uh, visually or even from a mechanic standpoint, it, like it, it feels a little clunky. But buried beneath that clunk is such awesome concept and really clever execution. And the reason I wanted to bring it up so much with our guests is because it's the first game that's really given me that Red Faction Gorilla vibe. <laughs> the idea behind Victorum is you're a mage and you can start uh, in three different classifications, ice, fire, or electricity. And you are going – you start on this very uh, sort of board game-esque um, over map and you can move from node to node. Everything is procedurally generated and randomized. So each playthrough is going to be uh, different and unpredictable. And you're trying to move across the map from left to right as this inquisition is chasing you. So they can overtake you at a certain point if you kind of dilly-dally. And each node – has some random thing that will happen. Some of them are as simple as just going to a store and being able to buy new items. 
uh, and others are full-fledged towns that you can explore or countrysides or, uh, you know, forests with towers and archers manning them. Uh, and everything in the game is destructible, just like Red Faction Gorilla was. Hmm? Yeah, everything. And you are a badass wizard with badass wizard powers who gets to blow stuff up. And the game lets you do that from very far away. There's this like um, ma- magic crafting system where you have a spell book and you slot that in and then you can augment it in various ways so you can make your spell have burst damage or chain or uh, or go much more farther than it would normally based on how you concentrate before you you fire it um and you can you can like take down a tower from all the way across them you can see this tower like on a mountain and you can shoot a fireball from so far away and then you see the tower blow up and fall into its component parts you can walk into a town and literally destroy every building in the town and if you're inside the the building when that happens you will get hurt from the rubble that falls on you i mean it's very much you create this chaos, but you have to deal with it too. Yeah, I see why you thought of us. I, I'm pulling up the trailer right now, and I'm looking at it. And yeah, this does look a lot like our uh, Geo Mod destruction because it is. It's taking into account what angle you're hitting things at, and it's collapsing realistically, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. I haven't seen. Yeah, I, likewise, I have not seen something like this since our game. I don't know why. I loved that about Red Faction Gorilla, and I'm so glad yeah, that these guys yeah. are doing something similar. Um, yeah, I no, wish it's, this one it's too. It's very hard. That's why. You're going to kill my wallet today, I swear. Like, Sorry. <laughs> uh, I will say, I will say uh, that, like I said, it, it, it is a little rough around the edges. I mean, there is virtually no AI for the enemies. Like a melee uh, attacker will just run at you. And you, you you know have to try to stay back because yeah, you're you a wizard for the toy for the toy. Yes, yes, uh, but it is cool. And there's a, a fun this sort of uh, procedurally generated mission system uh, where you know you 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 see how far you can last. It's a roguelike as well, so you have a health pool that goes down every time you take damage, and the only way it goes up is if you find health potions. So you're scouring these locations and going into buildings and trying to find stuff or go to people that'll sell you health potions, but it's, it's a ticking clock of how long you can last. And then it's like, it creates this story of what, what you did and you can sort of revisit locations or hear that you'll hear your new character will like hear the tale of your old character, fun stuff like that. It is very wonky in a lot of ways. So don't, don't get me wrong listeners. It is uh it is a game that does, have flaws, but it is more fun than it is good, and it is a, a really cool experience. A game I put much more time into than I thought I was going to, just because I like walking up to a tower and throwing a fireball at it and watching it crumble to the ground as the archer who is standing atop it falls to his doom. It is a blast. So um, I would I would recommend it. Again, it's called Fictorum, and it's on Steam. Yeah, I'm interested in checking it out. I, uh, for me, I'm much more interested in seeing games, even if they're not super polished. If they're doing something interesting or different, uh, that's that that's exciting for me. Yeah. I'm hoping these guys – I mean th- this is one of those games too where they're going to keep working on it. So maybe if they get enough interest and in, in revenue, they'll be able to sort of add some of that polish as it, as it moves forward. That would be cool. All right. So uh, we'll skip um, 
Uh, we'll skip VR talk, although uh, very positive things to say about Res Infinite, but we can talk about that. We can just say it's available on PC VR. Go buy it. And the best thing, honestly, the best thing about it, well, two best things about it. The first is Area X is available right from the beginning. You don't have to unlock it by playing through Res. So that's worth buying right there. And the second thing is it has a bunch of shaders and stuff for PC, uh, which means you could to move, you can do super sampling and high res textures and stuff. So if you have the PC to be able to back it up, it looks a lot better than the uh, PSVR version. Well worth your money. All right. Uh, let's, uh, move into some quick questions. Quick questions are sent in by you, the listeners. They are sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, or you can post them in the sticky thread at the top of our Reddit page. Our subreddit is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Everybody sending in quick questions this week gets a Steam code for Out of the Park Baseball 18. Uh, if uh, you don't hear from me, about those codes, by the way, send an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I've had a couple of uh, people that I haven't been able to get a hold of. So um, love to give you your free game. All right. This one, uh, the first one comes from Paul Maine. He says, quick question. Favorite game to play while on business travel? That is pretend you don't have a switch and just a laptop with no real video card. This question is, hey, my name's Paul. What game should I play? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on a business trip. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have a uh, a noob? Do you have a, a suggestion for Paul? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I'm uh, pretty simple. Like, I'll just play some like games on my phone or uh, on my 3ds, and I'll often use uh, Pokemon. I, I, I'm a big Pokemon player. Just so good. Yeah, just a lot of fun. And then now my kids are old enough to play as well, so we we're uh, swapping the Pokemon's. Yeah. Yes, trading. Kate, how about you? You gotta you gotta go to for business travel. Yeah, so I usually take like an iPad, that type of thing. Um, I like to sit down in my hotel room and play the Telltale games, like Walking Dead and the um, man, the other one that was based around fairy tales. I can't remember the name of it right Fables. now. My bad. Yeah, fla- yeah, all that stuff was really nice for travel, um, as well as any of the puzzly ones like Room Thirteen or mm-hmm. um, those types of games. The Room. I awesome. Mean, yeah. Christian, how about you? Yeah, that's the hard part about this. I think if you have a just a laptop with no real video card, I bet you have a phone. I bet you have an Android or an iPhone, and I would almost use that versus a laptop with no real video card. Or if you're stuck on that laptop, uh, Hearthstone. <laughs> uh, I mean, don't, but also do. <laughs> uh, it's still, it's still, it's really well made. Uh, on the phone, you know, there's so many, right? I, I keep going back to Pac Man 256 just because it's, it's easy to play. And then also, I love the Zen pinball tables, which would probably work on a laptop too. I love a lot of the, the IP, the Star Wars, Walking Dead tables, great. Uh, or pinball FX, it might be called. I think it's Zen pinball on iOS. I, I love those games. I am about to go on a, a business travel tomorrow and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, load up my iPad because I actually, my, I used to have, uh, a, a laptop that I would bring with me. In fact, Rogue Legacy was the game that I played on, on travel a lot. I would like literally pack a controller with me that I could plug into my laptop because the graphics weren't too strenuous for that. It was a great game to play like that, but my laptop just recently took a crap. So I'm really sad because the game I want to play just came out and is definitely not graphically intensive. And that's uh, West of Loathing. It's the new uh, Kingdom of Loathing RPG, but set in the West. 
I really want to play that, but um, I can't because they don't have an iOS version. So what I'll probably do is probably a digital card game. Uh, I used to play tons of Magic the Gathering on my uh, iPad, um, but somebody was telling me that uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends game on iOS just, just came out on iOS and is really good. So maybe I'll try that. I, I, my, I have a friend at work who, who's uh, into it and says he enjoys it quite a bit too. All right. All right, quick question. Uh, do you have any deal-breaker games? Games that if you find out your friend doesn't like, you can't look at them the same. This comes from Sir, Sir Sturl? Sir Sturl. Um, Kate, deal-breaker games? Oh, man, I guess I'd have to dig for this. But I guess I am, I'm very protective of the Diablo series. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, I haven't found a lot of people that are just, like, totally opposed to it. Um, or anything like that, so I don't know. I might have to come back to this one. <laughs> Fair enough. How about you, Anoop? Um, I'm going to give you kind of maybe a boring answer or whatever. I, I don't, I don't operate that way because people have different opinions on things and they care about different things. And oh, you're a nice person. I like. No, that. it's not. It's not that I'm a nice person. It's like I get frustrated when people tell me like, "Why do you like that? That's cool. Like, that's not cool or whatever." It's like, dude, like. You like what you like. Now, do I agree with you or I can tell you why I don't like it or I don't think it's that great? Sure. But if like I can't get mad at you for liking something that that I don't think is that great or vice versa. Well, you clearly haven't listened to our show because uh, (laughs) all I I have is deal breaker games with Christian Spicer because uh, (laughs) week after week he breaks my heart with the games that I I can't look at him anymore. it just used to be a video show. Yeah, now it's just audio. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we can't look at each other anymore. What remains of Edith Finch? I can't. He didn't like. Uh, I didn't not like it. I just Lone thought it Echo, was okay. You, you don't care. You Lone don't Echo, care. I haven't things, finished because I got I love. Lone Echo. I haven't finished because I, I got Agents of Mayhem and Observer. Like that's not my fault. Right. No, I hear you. But you still didn't love them like I love them. No, I, I did get I games that I like better than it. So yeah, it's hard. I, I can't. That's not my fault that I got games that I enjoy better than that other game. <laughs> what are your deal breaker games, Christian? So I'll, I'll also sidestep this question just a little bit because it's not. If you like games, I don't have a. That's great. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm with you. But the way I my deal breaker is when someone rolls their eyes at me for liking games, but then they play more games than I do. Right. Like they're like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Meanwhile, I hear like their phone going bananas as it's over there, like threes or words tower. And I'm like, yeah, you're, we're the same. We, we both like the same. And they're like, like that, the down looking down upon like console gaming or PC gaming. Well, ev- everyone games now. We're not the same, Christian, because you don't like what remains of Edith Finch. I didn't dislike it. I just yeah, thought it, it, it wasn't great. All right. Uh, quick question. This one comes from Lawrence Healy. He says, uh, do you ever check a guide just to see how far you are in a game and how much longer you have to play before completing it? Kate? I wish I, – I think I'm going to start doing this just based on how much time I have, which is not too much to play the large amount of games that are coming out with really long uh, really long time spans at this point. Like the Mordor game, not the obviously not the one that's not released yet, but the latest one. I spent so much time on that first continent, like doing every little thing. And then when I advanced to that second one, I just stopped. I couldn't play anymore. Right. I was, so it like knocked the wind out of me. I can't describe just how upset I was. Like, and I love that game. Like, I loved, I love the mechanics. I love the wrapper of it. I love the orcs. Like, I love the orcs. Okay. But like, oh my gosh, I just, I was so demoralized as soon as that second continent opened up. 
Like <laughs> that's so funny. You felt like oh, I really, I'm really progressing far in this game. It's like yeah, no, no, you're not. It just <laughs> completely knocked the wind out of me. I was just like, oh gosh, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, what about you, Anoop? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do definitely do that for my occasion. Um, you know, I I don't complete games as much as probably I I, I ought to or I would like to. Uh, but yeah, there are times where I'm like, I get far into something. I'm like, how, how much longer is this? Or like, there is, you know, how, how close am I to being done? So yeah, I'll, I'll check it out occasionally. But it's not like a regular thing I do. Christian, all the time, all <laughs> right uh, now. I'm seeing how long it will be until this show is over. No, no, I, I, I do. And for me, I, I don't quite know why, but it, I think it is a. Uh, I, I usually do it before I play. Like I want, like I have an You're hour. Worried to play. about like accidentally seeing a spoiler or something. No, because I I just go to like a table of contents, so maybe some like usually have like chapter markers or something like that. But I like to know like okay, I've got an hour to play. Oh, how far along am I in this game? I wonder if I can you know see the end of that tonight, kind yeah. of thing. Or should I just go play Overwatch? Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the debate. But I I do it frequently. What about you? I do a fair amount. I I don't like to because I'm worried that you know. But the process of reviewing games often leads me to go. Uh, am I close? But how <laughs> do you do it this? when you're playing it pre-release? You don't. You just, you, you don't, you just, I, I do text people. I think I sent you a few you up texts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How far am I? Yeah, that's what you do is you actually you DM your fellow journalists and you're like, did you guys, did you finish the Uncharted 4 already? Yeah. Is this a feature of Hellblade or is the game broken? What are <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, quick question. This comes from Matthew Dickerson. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this one. Quick question. Is using the Nintendo Switch while you're on the potty okay and expected or gross and how could you? Kate? I mean, I don't have a Switch, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about any game? Gaming, uh, gaming while, you, uh, while you do your business. I mean, it depends how much time... Again, time is an issue with gaming. And you know what? Sometimes sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to play. That's right. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to... No, actually, you know what? I'm not sorry. not going to apologize. Good for it's you. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> Anoop, how do you how do you feel about this one? I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, what like there you, you can talk. You, why are you going to waste that time? Right. <laughs> you can multitask. Make, make it make it useful, right? I mean, That's you know, right. whether it's playing, reading, whatever, you know. Yeah. Like wash your hands, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and wash your switch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christian, how about you? It's 100% okay. I don't do it with my Switch that often, but we're all on our phones in there and that's, you know, in terms of like a grossness factor, that's 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 the same thing. My favorite episode or favorite moment from the show The League is the episode where they want like shelves outside bathrooms because like you're, you're at like a cocktail event. You can't bring your food in with you because like I, they came around with the sliders and I finally got the sliders and had to go to the bathroom forever unclean. It's a, <laughs> a nice moment. I think we're unanimous on this one. We're giving you guys the thumbs up. Do it. Uh, yeah. Why not? You know, come on. Uh, everybody poops and it might as well uh, enjoy the time. The only thing that I, I have a problem with, honestly, for myself is uh, when I really, I've, I'm really done in there, but uh, I haven't finished the, the level or whatever. There's no stop, <laughs> good stopping point. I should, I should really move to a new location, but I'm just not doing that. So yeah, that, that's usually more of a problem for my wife than it is for me. <laughs> We got to go. We got to do something. Yeah. Are you alive in there? Yeah. <laughs> I am, but Link just took a serious hit. Come back. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But I do want to thank our guests, Kate Nelson 
and Anoop Shaker for being here. Uh, their game comes out this week, Agents of Mayhem. Uh, it's on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And uh, where else? Tell people where they can keep up with you. Kate, What what's a good way to keep up with your exploits or your company's exploits? Uh, we have uh, look up Agents of Mayhem on AOM The Game. That's what the the handle that we use everywhere. So Facebook, YouTube, that kind of thing. We also have a stream on Twitch every week on Thursdays. Uh, DS Volition. Um, it's really fun. You can see devs, and you know we'll we'll talk about various aspects of the game and do giveaways, those types of things. It's been a really really fun experience having a live stream in the studio. Cool. How about you, Anoop? Yeah, I mean uh, those those places uh, you can find me on. Uh, Twitter at Odekar, O-D-E-K-A-R. And uh, yeah, we love to hear from fans and and please don't attack me. (laughs) But if you have a problem with the game or you you, you have feedback, I'm definitely more than happy to hear it. Awesome. Well, I mean, we're not just saying that because you're here, but uh, I really, really dig the game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I think Christian is as well. It's an easy recommend, which is nice to say when you have guests on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have to dance around it. We can really uh, yeah, be full-throated in our praise. Uh, Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me online is... Twitter at Spicer. Um, if I ever offend anyone and someone wants to have a civil conversation with me, you can always email me directly at christian.spicer at gmail.com. Uh, GPD from Cheap Ass Gamer and I have started, uh, we've done it twice, so hopefully it's going to be a regular thing. We're playing PUBG Thursdays at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific, and it's over on his channel, twitch.tv slash cheapassgamer. I have a side-by-side of both of our screens archived on my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Christian Spicer 713. And you can also see uh, my Agents of Mayhem playthrough or gameplay uh, archived there as well, which I'm just really good at the game. I swear it's less than five hours. I just beat it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) You can find that stuff archived there as well. And then if you want a little extra geeky goodness, I do another podcast called At Least 20 More Minutes. You can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. I have a daily video game show. If you want to keep up to date with all of the news as it happens uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We get a lot of call-ins and I have, uh, featured, uh, uh, people who I had this week, I had somebody call in from, uh, Tokyo and was telling me about Mario Kart VR, super cool stuff. Just 10 minutes per day. It's, uh, it's called newest, latest, best. You can find it on anchor at anchor.fm slash NLB, or just search on iTunes or Google play music for newest, latest, best. I also have a movie and television review show called Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com and a comedy science show called We Have Concerns that you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. to send you off with something to do that might not be a video game. So, Kate, do you have a recommendation that you can give to people? That's not a video game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have a favorite uh, TV show or book or music, anything? Oh, man. I mean, again, so I'm a 100% no-time person right now, so I guess meditation is very helpful. <laughs> That's if great. any of you want to go on YouTube and find some like ways to calm your mind... Highly I recommended. Need that. need that this week for Make sure. Make time for it. Very important. Yeah. 
Anoop, anything from you, a, a suggestion? Uh, so it's it's a little bit past the point now, but uh, uh, the Americans uh, just my wife and I just finished uh, the last latest season. Uh, really enjoying that. I've been watching it since the beginning. Really, really cool show. And I think, unfortunately, not as many people watch it as I think should. But uh, definitely, if you like kind of like eighty spy stuff, yeah, you know, the Americans is, is a great show. I, I like. Just can't the- believe she cut her hair between seasons two and three. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like. I like the Americans when it was fiction. That was- <laughs> right. Yeah. Now it's a little too close to home. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a, a parting gift to give the folks? I have three, and they're, they're old, but they, they're worth checking out again. The film, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, is phenomenal. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, The Lost Ark, and he punches Nazis. I'd highly recommend watching that movie. Oh, it, a cathartic viewing. It is incredible, and well, it holds up. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is a phenomenal book. If you've only read it in high school, I would say you have not read it at all. It's about racial inequality, tolerance, segregation, the problems that run deep in our country then and today, and it is worth reading today and probably yearly. And then there's a phenomenal work of nonfiction called The Diary of Anne Frank, which if you have not read it, you need to set aside the time and sit down and read it and remember the atrocities that we as people are capable of and seeming to forget every single day. Take a minute, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Last Ark, read To Kill a Mockingbird, reread The Diary of Anne Frank, and be a better person. Here, here. Uh, here comes one from a listener. This was sent to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Trevor C. He says, I wanted to give you a parting gift that I've been absolutely loving. The Gorillas are about to release their new album, Humans, and they released their single, Saturn's Bars. Uh, it is <laughs> in their normal animated music video style, except this time... It's in VR! Uh, The song is amazing, but it is so much better being inside the music video. I hope everyone enjoys this because gorillas are a personal favorite of mine, and I wanted to share my love with the rest of you. Have a great week. Thank you, Trevor C. Check that out uh, if you're inclined. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to reiterate what Christian said for my my parting gift. Uh, It's been a rough week, and we can all... uh, love each other a little more. Hopefully uh, you guys, you guys do. I know it's fun to escape into video games and I like to as well, but man, we got to find a way to love each other a little bit more. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to a noob shaker and Kate Nelson for joining me. Thanks to Christian spice for hanging out as well. Thanks to all of the folks that hung out in the chat room. And thanks to all of you that downloaded the show. We appreciate it. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.